If you want to watch the game that we're playing this week, you can see the video version of the podcast at ericandkelby.com. Thanks for listening to the Personal History of Games. I'm your host, Eric Canius, and this week we have writer extraordinaire Ty Gallas Rowe joining us. You can find their work at uppercutcrit.com, where they are the editor-in-chief making things happen big time. Lucky for us, they spared a moment to talk about Kingdom Hearts in so much detail while we play Kingdom Hearts 2 for the PlayStation 2. Here's that conversation. This game has been spoken about um no less than four times in other episodes <laughs> but i've not played it or seen it i only hear tell of it and sitting here watching this attract screen some weird stuff goofy's a turtle at some point <laughs> yes goofy is a turtle he also dies in this game at one point what it's fine <laughs> does he come back he must come back he's in three isn't he yeah He's dead for like two seconds and Mickey's like, I oh. will have vengeance. And then he comes back in like the next scene and he's like, hey guys. <laughs> wow. That is <laughs> That's all I could hope for. I got a save game from the internet. So we are finished the game, but we can go to any area you want. Which uh, world is your favorite? Where do you want to go? Um, Let's go to the Atlantica world because I am one of the few people who really loves all of the music <laughs> games. I think it's good and fun. All right. So what is your relationship with this game? My relationship with these games. So this was my first Kingdom Hearts game was Kingdom Hearts 2 on the PS2. And I just played it with like a childhood friend. And I just always thought it was like fun and silly. And then... It was just like something that kept me connected with like friends that I had at the time and stuff. And I've just, you know, it just scratches that particular br- like brain bullshit itch for me. <laughs> Were you a Disney kid? I was. Yeah, I was a big Disney okay. kid. I feel like that explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I would, I adamantly depend the Disney worlds in Kingdom Hearts. I think they are absolutely essential. I mean, why wouldn't? That's the whole point of the game, isn't it? Who That's says the whole otherwise? point of the game. Everybody who thinks that the Disney worlds are boring or dumb or that they don't, shouldn't be in the game is doesn't fucking get a point. <laughs> go play Final Fantasy. What, yeah, what are you doing? go play Final. <laughs> That's what I say. Go play fucking Final Fantasy, then you dork. <laughs> you fucking weeb. Go play Final Fantasy, then. <laughs> yes. If you, yeah. Exactly. If you're like, I don't want this Disney shit. There are other things for you. Go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially because like literally Kingdom Hearts 3 proved that you don't need Final Fantasy in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. But you absolutely do need Disney. Yeah. That's the whole. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which is why the bullshit that they're pulling with like the secret ending at Remind is really frustrating for me, but it's fine. <laughs> There's a lot of feelings about this. I do. I do. Kingdom Hearts <laughs> occupies a lot of the empty space in my skull to, to me only having two brain cells. <laughs> I mean that's fair. So that this is what I want to learn all about. I've not. This is the. <laughs> this is my first experience with this game. Is hearing Sora sing "Under the Sea" poorly. Yeah, sing very well. Yeah. So in playing this game, you're playing it with with friends and such. Would 
Were you like way into the story or was it just like the visuals enticing you? Well, it's weird, right? Because I started with this game, which is obviously yeah. not the first one. And we can get into the nonsense that is the like timeline and order of those games. But like, you know, most people started with one. Normally, yes. But I started with two because that was the one that my friend was playing. And I just always watched him play games and like played stuff that he was playing. So he was playing two. So I was playing two. And I really liked Roxas because that's like a I know at the time it was kind of contentious, but like the game does not start with Sora. Oh, and it doesn't like explain why until later in the game. But you start with this character who like is brand new to two and you're in a place that you've never seen before. Um, And I thought it was really cool. That was my introduction because I was new to it and Roxas was new to it. So we just got to be new together. Uh And then like getting into the story and finding out after like. It was just like fun and interesting. And I just that along with like, I love silly bullshit. And this is obviously very silly. <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm into I also am a big shonen anime person. And this is like also very that you're going to have to describe what that is for me. <laughs> it's like I don't like I don't particularly care for Naruto, but it's like that style of like, you know, the the hero kids who like bang their heads against walls to like succeed in a mission or whatever. It's like. <laughs> Like My Hero Academia is that, um, Haikyuu is that, which is funny because it's volleyball. It's just like anything that's kind of just like, yeah, like these lunkhead kids are going to fucking do this thing. Yes, I, <laughs> this is making me uh, feel very disconnected. I don't watch anime and I have not played Kingdom Hearts, so I'm here to to learn it all. I played, I've played Kingdom Hearts since I was about seven or eight, but... I've only been recently within the past like year ish, like really push into watching anime. Like I've seen, I had seen some, but this is the year I finally got like convinced to really try getting into stuff. And you know, there's some good stuff. What was the thing you started with that like made you understand or like made you be like, okay, I'll try more of this. Honestly, Haikyuu. I started watching it last year when the pandemic started because my uh, my friend and other uppercut person, Monty, uh, really liked it. And she was like, I think you would really, really like it. So I was like, all right, I you know, what the fuck else am I doing? But my day job and being locked in my house. <laughs> um, so I watched it and I just like lost my mind. I just loved it. And I never expected to be so into an anime about like high school boys playing volleyball. <laughs> but it's so good i feel like it gets to the heart of like why people like sports just so that like it's not just about the sport itself and the technical aspects of it but it's also about like you know why the players care about it and why they're invested in it and what their goals are and like what their strengths and weaknesses are um and i think it just does that really really well because like I like sports documentaries because they do have a narrative to them, but I don't really care for yeah. watching like seasonal sports. And I think Haikyuu like really nails that. Okay. Yeah, I feel the same way about I I'll watch sports documentaries. They're fun. They have stories to them. Yeah. They're interesting. But watching sports, no thank you. Yeah, no. Especially not football. This shit's so boring. <laughs> yes, agreed. Should not take you forty five minutes to set up after one play. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so slow. There's so much stop and start. Come on. Like I hate it. I'm in Canada, so we have hockey, and that's a little quicker at least, but yeah. still not my favorite. I I mean I'm not a big sports person in general, but I think like hockey and soccer are probably I like basketball too to a degree. Yeah. I mean there's faster moving. There's more stuff going on. So you said you're playing this since about six years old? 
I think I I was I think like between seven and nine when I started it. With your gaming as a childhood, was this something that you would like bring to school or something and talk about a bunch, or was it like just you do with a group of friends? To start, it was like my one like childhood best friend, and then you know he and I just played them throughout like elementary and middle school. And then when we went to high school, we started meeting other people who kind of had that interest as well. And so it was like a real, you know, talking point. And then it's just kind of translated out into um, my like online life as well. Like I ended up doing um, season two of Interstitial, which is a Kingdom Hearts inspired TTRPG um, that my friend Riley made. And I did the season two of that actual play. Um, And it's just it's led to it's opened a lot of doors weirdly for me (laughs) that's interesting (laughs) yes i mean that's what i was saying like there's so many people talking about kingdom hearts there's like this it's becoming common knowledge for a certain demographic and like age group and stuff and it's it's a weird language to speak but a lot of people do a lot of people do (laughs) (laughs) and i'm failing at these songs over and over but it tells you so joyfully it's very funny to me (laughs) (laughs) i know but i also just like it because yeah like compared to one where you have to like actually traverse the water world like as sora swimming and like dealing with all the um enemies and stuff it's just really annoying because the water physics aren't great yeah as per usual with video games water levels these levels seem really small is it just me or am i missing something because i i traveled around a bit i mean they're not huge the thing with two is that it makes you come back multiple times to each world. Ah. It'll like throw obstacles in your way. So like this world, like you'll get to a point where you need to move a statue and you need to have like the gravity magic to do it. So you have to like go do other shit and then come back. Um, and like all the worlds are like that. You, I think I think all of them you have to come back at least twice. I mean, they got to make get their money's worth. Yeah. What's your favorite Disney movie? When I was a kid, I think it was The Lion King. I loved that shit. Classic. <laughs> Which is another thing, too, is this 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 Kingdom Hearts 2, I think, has better Disney worlds than the first one. Because, like, the first game, the Tarzan world sucks. And the <laughs> Alice in Wonderland world sucks. <laughs> there's another one that I hate that I can't remember off the top of my head right now. But there's a lot of Disney worlds that really <laughs> suck in the first one. <laughs> Well, it's even better that you started the second one, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, it was it was honestly I went back to play the first one in high school because my friend was like, it's weird that you haven't played this. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Um, So I like borrowed it and played it. And I was like, man, if I had had to start with this game, I don't think I would have continued. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think I played Metal Gear 3 first, which is the most contentious one and went back and played one and two. Because it was just, but it played so much better, so it made sense. So that kind of checks out. Let's go to Pirates. Go to the Pirates world, yeah. This world sucks so much. This is one of my least favorite worlds. But it's so (laughs) funny, because it's just so bad. It's just, it's like all of these, like, real-looking people. Like, they all, (laughs) they, like, digitally scanned, like, fucking Johnny Depp and, like, Kira Knightley. There and put is. him in here and Orlando Bloom. And it's so weird. <laughs> there's one boss fight that's like fine. And then there's another boss fight that happens, I think, the second time you come. That's just like the biggest pain in the ass. <laughs> you have to like fight a giant heartless for gold doubloons. And it keeps like stealing them back from you and being a little shit. <laughs> 
Are you one to get frustrated with games or are you able to let it go? Um, I mean, I'll get mad, but I'm not like a break my controller kind of person. That's good. I think I've only seen my brother throw a controller once. I feel like it's more of a stereotype than a reality for a lot of people. I mean, I do know someone who has broken several controllers. (laughs) Hmm. It's just not me. (laughs) (laughs) So Kingdom Hearts was your introduction to games in general or did you dabble in it before? Uh, No, I had played before. I had a Super Nintendo when I was five. And I also had like all those edutainment games when I was like a baby. Ooh, sweet. You got, <laughs> do you remember any of those? <laughs> yeah, I had like Roger Rabbit stuff. And I also had one that was like a Sesame Street one. And I remember there was like a game that you could play with Bert and Ernie with masks that I always thought was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> so they were wearing masks? And no, them out? it was something about like choosing masks off a wall, but all the masks looked really scary to me. <laughs> and then I also had a Barney game where like I had like a little animatronic Barney toy that like responded to the game. Whoa. Yeah. That's advanced. Yeah, it was it was cool. I remember really liking that game. I don't remember anything about it other than the Barney robot, but was this on like did you have a computer in your house? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a computer. I played PC games for a long time, like as a kid, and then you know, my Super Nintendo. And then I think my next gaming thing that i got after my super nintendo was a ps2 i mean that's so it gives you access to kingdom hearts opens the door <laughs> it did that's how i ended up playing the uh first one in high school and also chain of memories did you do any like early web browsing in your house or was that like off limits uh no i did some to a degree like do you remember any of those weird websites those social sites i was just talking about this with my wife we can't remember the name to any of them but we all had different experiences for the different websites we went to and they don't exist anymore and we can't remember any names yep and i think it's probably better that way yeah because we remembered have a hotel that's not the one i did though anyways (laughs) no i can't remember like any of the names anymore except for like being on like the forums on like the n what's the n the n was like The teen version of Nickelodeon in America. Oh, (laughs) that's fun. Yeah, that was where they had like Degrassi and stuff. Okay, watching Doug. Pretty much, yeah. What was the next step after playing like a big game like this? What was the next thing that drew you in? I think probably Dragon Age. Ah. Well, I love the first two games and Awakening. I don't care for inquisition as much no was that the big one that was the big big one the third one i'm not yeah a fan i don't think bioware does open worlds very well mm, that's fair and yeah i think that i think inquisition relies on a lot of extracurricular uh texts that most people would not have consumed because they're not like me and aren't giant fucking nerds <laughs> so i think it's weird to base narrative decisions on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fair i am not a reader so i bounced off that game pretty pretty darn quickly well and it's like the thing is like it expects you like if you want to know like the full like what is going on you need to have played a dlc for dragon age 2 you need to right. have read three books what? and like two comics <laughs> <laughs> wow i didn't know it was that extreme uh, so you're kind of we're kind of hinted towards it now what uh, brought you into like the games uh, criticism or the games writing field? Uh, well, I guess in like college, I towards I think my like third year in college when I was getting ready to start wrapping up, 
I started getting into podcasts and I was just like, huh, like what, what kind of podcast would I want to try listening to? And I was like, well, I guess I like video games. So I just looked for like video game podcasts and I found, you know, like the IGN ones and stuff. And, you know, I heard people on there talking and I didn't even realize like I knew IGN was a thing and stuff, but I never really thought about the fact that like, oh, that's like people's job. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, I was thinking about it. I was like, people like do this for a living So I was like, that'd be kind of cool. And then I heard, I can't remember who, but somebody on one of those shows was talking about, you know, like the only way to get into it is just, you know, to do it. So you have, you know, a portfolio and stuff. So Mm. I made my own little blog site and it just kind of, you know, went on from there. Cool. Were you doing writing before this? Uh, I was doing some like local freelance stuff, like for like local culture stuff. And I went to, I went to college for english ah so so kind of you had a few choices of what to do yeah i i also worked like corporate day jobs for like four years after graduating that's the norm so i always find this interesting maybe it's just me (laughs) like what did you have a plan going into university or college um (laughs) and just like writing drew you in or it was just like just doing what you do no so originally i was going to school for biochemistry Whoa. Yeah. And then I realized how fucking hard that was. And I was not good (laughs) enough at math to continue. So (laughs) I basically told I told my mom that I was basically like, yo, I need to switch majors because I cannot do this. (laughs) Um, So I was going to uh, do English and then become a teacher. But then I decided to wait on getting my license because I didn't want to pay for more school. And then I just kind of ended up doing like corporate stuff in the meantime and just, you know, writing in my free time. And it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, I relate to that so hard because I went to school initially for engineering and then uh, was like, man, this sucks. Yeah. (laughs) And then went to film school. (laughs) So about the same uh, move there. Yeah. So I just relate to that a lot of picking a big science to be like, I could do this. I have like, because I had minor interest in math. I'm like, I guess I'm pretty good at math, I guess. And then I go there and I'm like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, no, I really, and that was the thing too, is like, I really, really excelled in my like AP biology class in high school and I really liked it. And my teacher was like pushing me to keep going. And so then I was like, oh, well, I want to be a toxicologist because like looking at poisonous shit seems cool. (laughs) so i guess i should be a biochemist and then there was way too much chemistry like with my ap um biology credit i literally did not have to take any more biology it was all chemistry oh and i was like you know (laughs) it's a blessing and a curse yeah i was like i think this is perhaps not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I didn't have to take any English in university, and it was very nice. But also, I feel like it might have, you know, slowed some things down <laughs> of not wanting to read books and such. But uh, such is life. Yeah. <laughs> Hey folks, if you're listening to this podcast, then you must love video games. And if you love video games, you got to listen to another video game podcast called Game Johns. Join Riley and her crew as they delve into everything games, from upcoming titles and nostalgic classics to game development and intriguing interviews, learn and laugh alongside this ragtag team of indie devs. 
Whether you want to philosophize about the definition of a game, discuss the hype behind virtual reality, or discover games you've never heard of, Game Johns is the crew for you. For more things Game Johns, check out allmylinks.com slash Game Johns and check out their Twitter at Game Johns for all news and announcements. That's Game Johns, Game, J-A-W-N-S. Check them out. Yeah, so it was kind of just snowballed that you were playing games, then you start you learned that you could write about games, then started writing about games. Well, and I started like when I started like looking for like writing about games, you know, I found like Waypoint and I yes. started seeing like, you know, reading like Austin Walker and Maddie Myers and Dia Lucina and like Keita Jackson and I was like, Oh, this is dope. I wanna be like these people. It's a good group to look up to. So then I tried to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta make your own way. That's the thing. Are are you much of a self-starter, would you say? Uh, I would say so. I mean, Uppercut is probably the biggest example of that, I guess. It went from, you know, being like, it was formerly known as your geeky gal pal, and it was more of like a just me blog. And, you know, we went from that to, you know, now we're like our own actual indie outlet that like people kind of know about. And we do freelance stuff. And that's cool. It's very exciting. Yeah, and I manage, I do the most, most of the like, quote unquote, boss stuff. <laughs> no, it's very neat. How is it seeing something you made grow like that? It's been wild. Every time something like wild happens that where we grow or get more attention and just like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> That's fun though. So what were like the first things you write about on the blog? What was, what was the drawing you to, to write about? See, I think. I remember, I know I wrote about Dream Daddy early on. Um, I wrote about like Night in the, like it was, I was definitely figuring out my shit a lot more at the start. So it was a lot of me just kind of playing around with different kinds of articles and seeing like what I liked to write and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I've also always been pretty focused on like highlighting indie games and um, like queer stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Is there any uh, indie games you're playing lately that you have that have stood out to you um so i just got a few codes um i i got a code for uh the heaven's vault switch port um which i'm pretty excited to check out and then i also just got a sword of the necromancer on switch which is like an action rpg roguelike type deal cool And, and it seems very neat you get to like convert your enemies into like team members and stuff i think Ooh. yeah it seems cool and it's also like a queer love story i think is like the main can like story conceit mm-hmm. so i'm interested to check out like what all is going on there cool so you had mentioned the the letters the game of the year letters or sorry end of year letters uh, on uppercut what was that whole uh, campaign uh so we do it We've done it, I think, every year that we've been uppercut, but basically ourselves. I got the idea originally from uh, Waypoint because they did, they used to do for a while, like when they didn't want to review a game, but they wanted like everyone on staff to kind of have input. They would do a letter series and they did one about um, Red Dead that had Austin, Patrick and Rob, like all um, basically saying like, here's one word I think of to describe Red Dead 2 and then like explaining that in an essay. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know, in communication with each other and I thought that was really cool. So I wanted to do that as end of the year content because I don't really like traditional game of the year stuff. Mm-hmm. And I like for Uppercut to, you know, be different 
so it started just in house. And then, you know, as we've gotten more resources and stuff, we've expanded out. And so this year we had, this year is the first year that we've been able to pay everybody, but we had like 32 letters counting the in-house ones. And we had a bunch of freelancers come on and just talk about 2020 games. Um, and it was just a really cool spread. Yeah, that sounds very cool. What was the game that stood out for you last year? Not a game of the year. But what was the the, the game you're you're playing the most? Uh, if we're talking about the most like time wise, I definitely sunk too much time into Hades. Ah, yes. I played a lot of that game last year, <laughs> but I also really really liked Paradise Killer a lot. Yeah, I've been hearing good things about that one. I've been meaning to check it out. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Um, I also really like murder mystery games. And it takes the Ding and Rumpa games are some of my favorite. They're not three. And it takes a lot of really blatant inspiration from Ding and Rumpa too. So I really liked that a lot. I th- I've heard of those games. And whenever I look them up, I always get confused about what they're a type lot. of games those are. So they're like murder, they're murder mystery visual novels, essentially. Okay. But it's about like high school kids being forced to murder each other. What? <laughs> oh. Yeah. It's a lot. They're problematic. They're problematic faves. Okay. <laughs> I mean that deeply. Like the first one has a whole thing with like a character who's like deeply implied to be trans, but like technically isn't. And there's just like a lot of weird fucked up gender stuff going on with that. Uh, and it's also like very, you know, anime horny about a lot of things. And it only gets progressively it. worse <laughs> as the series goes on. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I don't watch a lot of anime, but I played Persona 5 last year, and it was, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the horniness knows no bounds. Like, like Ding, that was one of my issues with Danganronpa 3, is it gets, like, pretty gross in some areas, and I was like, can we just, these are teenagers, can we just not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but alas. Are these ever games that you go back to and play the Kingdom Hearts ones or do they just live in your memories now? No, I have replayed. Hmm, I've replayed several of them. I went through before Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. I went back and played a bunch of them. Not one because one sucks. But <laughs> I think I played two Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance again. How do you feel about that weird release? Because, yeah, so my wife loves loves these games, but played only one, two, and then jumped to three. It seems like a huge barrier for people who want to enjoy this very convoluted story. No, if you want to be a Kingdom Hearts person, you have to be a little bit of a masochist, I think. (laughs) And you just have to be really on board for the bullshit. I just, that's the thing is like, I like on a logical level, I'm like, yeah, the release, the way that they did those releases, like, especially back before, because now it's kind of nice because they have the like collections on the PS4 and the Xbox or whatever. Right. So you can snag and like play most of them. And the ones that you can't play, you can like, you know, watch the cutscene videos or whatever. But the fact that they had two that were originally on the PS2 one that was on the Game Boy that got ported to the PS2, one that was on the PSP, one that was on the <laughs> DS, one that was on the 3DS. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I get that. But also, like, I just, I don't care. <laughs> did, did you love it? Did you? So you played all those games as they came out? Um, No, but I did go back for a lot of them. Okay. So I played, I bought a PSP specifically so that I could play Birth by Sleep. <laughs> 
And I played that and I loved it. This is my favorite Kingdom Hearts game. I didn't play the Game Boy version of Chain of Memories, but I did buy the PS2 port. So I played that on my PS2. And I got almost to the end, but I got stuck on a boss fight because Vexen's a bitch. <laughs> I hate him. A lot of people really don't like Chain of Memories because of the card stuff. I really like card games. So I actually really, really liked it, but I did get stuck on his boss fight. So I never finished that game. Oh. Um, and I did play Dream Drop on the 3DS when it came out. And I think it's a better game on the 3DS than on the PS4. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine. It's kind of hard to translate those games to uh, one screen. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like all in. Oh, yeah. The only on this. The only Kingdom Hearts game that I haven't tried at all is the new... The rhythm one or the, the yeah, rhythm like one the that just one? came out. I haven't gotten to. And also like there, there have been a couple of phone versions that were like only in Japan that I haven't touched yet. But like I did play um, the mobile one that has changed a billion times. I did play fucking coded using like the DS that could play Game Boy games. <laughs> coded sucks. Coded is the worst Kingdom Hearts game. So it's like an original Game Boy game, like 2D. It was a like it's like it was a Japanese phone game that then got ported to the Whoa. Game Boy that then I played on the DS. Whoa, what? <laughs> the story is interesting, but actually playing it sucks. Yeah, so like each one they really went all in on the story still, right? Pretty much. Like all of them are like technically story relevant. Like you can kind of, I'm trying to think, Coded, I think you don't really need to understand what goes on in Coded unless you're like figuring out what's going on in the mobile game currently, because the <laughs> bullshit between those is very connected. There's a, there's so much stupid shit in this game. <laughs> there's so much. Just, this is why every time I explain this game, I'm like, this game is fucking stupid. <laughs> but you gotta love that stupid shit. I do. I am enjoying like the dedication to the story and like making everything a piece all a part of like one big story in some way. I think that's ambitious. Oh, it's very ambitious. It's not clean. I would say that it's ultimately not done super well, (laughs) but I do respect the ambition, although I wish the ambition would be checked a little bit back because I don't like where it's going. (laughs) Oh, no. It feels like a very unwieldy ship to to drive, so I don't know if there's much course correction they can do. Well, it's just so... What's his face? Nomura. Yeah. He did Final Fantasy character designs, too. And he, like, you can tell, you know, it's all the Final Fantasy characters with the belts and shit. That's him. Yes. (laughs) Okay. And he really wanted to do, I believe it was Final Fantasy Versus. It's something Versus was, like, a game that he wanted to make but never got to. And because Kingdom Hearts was getting popular. So now it kind of seems like because of some bullshit in at the end of the uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind DLC, it kind of seems like he's like trying to force Kingdom Hearts to be that Final Fantasy game. Oh, no. And I <laughs> am not here for it. <laughs> Wait, does like crossover happen with Final? Aren't Final Fantasy Sephiroth in this game, isn't he? Yeah. So there are Final Fantasy characters in Kingdom Hearts. And I guess they're like alternate universe versions. It's very strange. I don't know that they ever like really explain it because like Aerith is alive in Kingdom Hearts, (laughs) which is not true in Final Fantasy (laughs) 7. Spoilers. Yep. And like some of the names are different and stuff. Hmm. But yeah, 
Nimura's pulling some shit. I'm not happy with him right now. <laughs> he made, he's in a golden handcuff situation. He made a thing that's too popular, so he can't do anything. So now he's, I guess he's going to try and shoehorn the other idea in there. I think that's fun. <laughs> As someone who doesn't play, I think that's fun. <laughs> uh, it makes me so mad. <laughs> making me laugh because this game i don't like all i ever hear is stories and the more stories i hear the more it makes me laugh <laughs> yeah no it's in, it's a wild thing conceptually but that also i don't know kind of links back to uh dragon age and how they don't have a bunch of stuff in inquisition you need to do all this other stuff with it i guess maybe they should just throw some uh disney characters in there the thing with kingdom hearts is at least it's honest about how like fucking obtuse it is and like hard to <laughs> like get into everybody knew like that's the joke about it is that it gets fucking stupid which is again <laughs> it's it's really relieved a lot by the fact that they do have those like all-in-one collections or whatever now yeah but for a long time you know they were ridiculous and inaccessible but like dragon age just like doesn't clue you in that you need that information the only re- uh. way you would know is if you're someone who you know has done it okay because like basically the bad guy in dragon age 2 is first seen and in, or not in Dragon Age 2, in Inquisition, is introduced in a DLC for Dragon Age 2. And so that's the only way you would know who he is. But they make oh. it seem like it's a reveal when he shows up. And it's like, why? Like, it's a reveal <laughs> for me, but it's not a reveal for the person who just hippity-hopped on in here. Yeah, I thought, hmm, I guess, yeah, that's where uh, some of my misinformation with that game, I thought that was not a reboot, but like we are starting kind of a new thing because it's going to be a lot better than two was the thing with two is that two is actually pretty good it just got fucked by the fact that it was made in like nine months or something yes from starting writing to now have you felt your uh, relationship with games has changed at all yeah i mean it's hard when they become work yes right because it's a different relationship and lately i've been you know kind of trying to go back to playing games just for fun to kind mm-hmm. of keep my brain from like, I don't know, liquefying from only playing <laughs> stuff for work. But yeah, it's a lot more of a balancing act now. So is it like um, deliberately I'm playing this game to relax and I'm playing this game for like work and writing? Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's basically being like, like, what do I want to play? Like, okay, I'm actually going to carve out time to do that. And, like, not feel bad about it when I could be playing, you know, like, something I'm supposed to be for, like, a podcast or for writing or whatever. Yeah. Do you find it hard to turn off, though, when you're playing for fun? Yeah. Maybe that's a maybe that's a hint that you're, <laughs> that you're doing the right thing or that you <laughs> or that you made the wrong choice. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's been nice just, like, playing stuff because I'm interested in it, though. I Just, like, mm. since the year started, I've been... Because there hasn't been, like, too many big releases that, like, I've needed to pay attention to yet. Right. So I've been able to just kind of fuck around in my free time, which has been nice. <laughs> that is good. It's good to find those times. Recommended to everyone listening. For sure. Because <laughs> I've only... Yeah, like, I was kind of stopped playing games a lot of the time um, but this podcast has been fun to jump into different games because it's not quite work yet except for this one (laughs) (laughs) i'm kidding this one is it's very easy to play i'll give it that i barely have to think i should slam a button especially when i'm level 99 yeah you're level 99 and you have the best weapon in the game so yeah that's how everyone plays it right Uh (laughs) that's just how it goes where can people find you if you want to be found uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, T-Y underscore G-N-A-R's 
or over on uh, Uppercut, which is at Uppercut Crit on Twitter or UppercutCrit.com. Sweet. Was that, uh, it was eight R's deliberate or were seven taken? So I changed my first name last year and uh, my old handle had eight R's in it because six and seven were taken weirdly. <laughs> and so then when I changed my name, I was like, you know, I'm going to keep this old part of it. So it's still like kind of recognizable. Yeah, fair. <laughs> oh, that's always fun. Seeing people with names and emails with numbers and how they get around the age of the internet and how those names will never come back. Nope. It's frustrating. All the best usernames, they're probably just like, just empty, not being used. Ugh. But I do wish I would have gotten like a one character Twitter handle and made some bank and then retired. <laughs> God. <laughs> what? Isn't that the dream? Isn't that everyone's dream? Just me? I just, it's less that it's your dream and more that it's just like a thing people have done. <laughs> yes, the state of the world <laughs> that would cause such a thing to happen is uh, more a thing to groan about. Ooh, ball. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to like think about. <laughs> There's a lot of things that have to happen in order for that to be the case. <laughs> in order to, for that to be reality, mm-hmm. we can sell a letter for $40,000. <sighs> but alas. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you for being on the Personal History of Games. It was great chatting with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was fun. So everyone go check out Uppercut, and we'll catch you next time on the Personal History of Games. You can hear more of the Personal History of Games on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help us out, please leave us a rating and review. For updates, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PHOGpod, or check out our website at personalhog.com. The show is hosted and produced by Eric Canius, executive produced by Robin Lands. Do We Like is brought to you by Beamed Media, a Canadian podcast network.